Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Lawyer's Toolbox on Your Law Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine, the law publicist. This show is produced by Law Publicist Communications, a legal marketing and public relations agency serving law firms and business professionals. The production of Your Talk Law Talk Radio is funded by sponsor donations and advertising. We do work hard to bring you new and pra- pragmatic content on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 o'clock central. Today's guest is career consultant Leah Jackman-Whitener, Ph.D. She's been consulting and coaching professionals like you, attorneys, for eight years. In addition, her career consulting experience, she brings to the table her insights and skills gained from 12 years of providing psychotherapy. Dr. Leah enjoys helping lawyers address their specialized career issues, and no one is better equipped to do so. Dr. Leah is the author of The Confidence Book, focused on helping professionals unlock the confidence code, five steps to the complete core confidence. Learn more at her website, which is www.confidencebook.com. Now, we do welcome callers today. If you are listening and like to call in with any questions, again, our shows are neutral and objective. Your counterpoints are always welcome. You may dial 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in our queue. Telephone number again is 917-889-9732. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse the opinions expressed by guests. Finally, all callers re- may remain confidential and rights to this broadcast are reserved. We do, uh, before we get going, we have three uh, events I want to tell you about uh, real quickly. First, uh, two, the first two events come from the Chicago Lawyer Magazine's Off the Pages series, uh, and the Off the Pages series presents Taking Care of Business. On September 20, 2011, three panels of interests are, number one, how to grow your book of business in a challenging economy. Number two, building a relationship with your in-house lawyers. Number three, motivating and keeping young talent. Now, the panelists presenting at this event are truly top attorneys and executives with valuable insight. This event is going to be held from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club here in Chicago. For early bird registration and more information, please call Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin for more information. Her telephone number is 312-644-4033. You can also email Olivia at O-C-L-A-R-K-E at lbpc.com. MCLE credit is pending for this event, and sponsorship opportunities are available. Now, there's another Off the Pages series event coming from Chicago Lawyer Magazine. This presentation will be in October. It's October 18, 2011. The title is Taking Diversity Seriously. The following panels, number one, being a woman in this legal industry, how do you navigate the challenging waters? And number two, a detailed look at local diversity statistics. In addition, Chicago Lawyer presents keynote speaker Aaron Reeves of NextGens. Reeves is a Chicago Lawyer columnist and diversity expert who will present a status report on diversity. This event will also take place from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. Again, the date for the second is October 18th. Again, Olivia Clark can be contacted for registration information, 312-644-4033. And our third event we want to tell you about 
if you happen to be in DuPage County, Illinois, on September 22, 2011, you should attend the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois' West Suburban Practice Group's annual open house. Come to Carlucci's Restaurant in Lombard at the intersection of I-355 and Butterfield Road from 5 to 7 p.m. and meet the attorneys, financial, and mental health professionals who team up to provide collaborative divorce solutions. Guests will include professionals who might want to become collaborative fellows, as well as family law judges from the DuPage Family Law Division and affiliate professionals who are utilized in the collaborative process. For more information and your invitation to this event, please email Ms. Connie Walsh at Connie, which is C-O-N-N-I-E, at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Again, Connie at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Now, moving on with our show today, as far as our subject matter, let me tell you this. It's all about confidence sometimes. Look at some of the successful professionals who went out on their own. We often ask, why do they get to do that, and what makes them so special? Well, the people you envy may not be any more smarter or adept at solo practice. Those who hang their own shingle must be confident that they will survive and grow. Recently, a law school administrator shared some raw statistics indicating the majority of graduating law students consider private practice right after law school. In this episode, Dr. Leah will talk to us about confidence and its impact on our professional careers. Dr. Leah is a recurring contributor on Law Talk Radio, and she has been on previous episodes that you can find in the Law Talk Radio archives found on the blogtalk.com site and also on our website on the Law Talk Radio tab. So, enough from me. Let's talk to Dr. Leah. Dr. Leah, how are you today? I'm great. Glad to be back. All right, wonderful. Glad to have you. I always, I always love your your practice and that you focus on on lawyers as well as other professionals. And it's there's such a need um, to have someone who has such you know skills and background and education of your own who really understands lawyers because you do work with uh, so many attorneys on an ongoing basis. So I really appreciate you again taking your valuable time and being on a guest on our show. Um, and for our first segment, I know that we're going to talk a little bit about starting a firm when and where to start and how to decide if it's time, I will uh, let you take it away, Leah. All right. Well, again, thanks for having me back. You know, I'm glad that we chose this topic because I, I think it's incredibly timely, just like you said. So many folks having trouble finding jobs, um, are deciding to go ahead and start out on their own, and sometimes straight off the bat out of school, which is a little a little more difficult because, you know, as you know, you learn how to practice law. You don't learn how to fill out forms. You know? um, right. So I, I do feel for the people who start straight out and start their own start their own firm. Um, so so when we're talking about whether it's time, when it's time, sometimes it's time to start your own firm just because that is the employment option, and you've got the skills. You know basically what to do. If you do that. I always recommend that you find a good mentor um, or an experienced paralegal that you can hire on a an as-needed basis to help you navigate the system. But but a good um, experienced, seasoned lawyer who can you know help you through the the little hoops of you know how do you go to this this office or that office and find the right form to fill out. That's going to be invaluable. And spotting the unknown unknowns. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you know, like we know, we don't. You don't know what you don't know, right? Right. <laughs> you need someone to to give you a little bit of guidance and show you the ropes. Um, that's where I think if you do go solo, it's 
always ideal if you could share office space with other attorneys just to have someone you know, nearby to, to bounce off even those practical kinds of issues, but it's not always an option. Um, I, I think starting out, it's a little, you know, I've known people who've said, hey, my law school classmate and I, neither one of us can find a position, and so we're both going to go and we're going to start a firm together. Well, just because you have the same studying style doesn't mean you're going to have the same practice style. So I'd be really hesitant about forming a partnership straight off the bat just because there are too many unknowns and you're still getting your feet wet with the whole marketing thing. You know, sometimes people think, oh, well, I'll do the marketing and you'll do the paperwork. Well, you know, that's tricky. That's just tricky. So solo practitioners sharing an office space makes sense and it's, I think, a lot cleaner, a lot simpler when you're first starting out. I don't know, have, have, you, got experience, have you had experience with people doing each one of those thoughts you have I've about had, them? Yeah, I have. And um, uh, one person I know in particular went to law school later in her career and started out, uh, basically took a, a pension, a lump sum from a corporate job, and rented an office space, bought shelves, bought books, and had no idea where the courthouse was how to write an order, what to do with a client. And it's a really scary thing. <laughs> and um, I recommend highly, of course, to you know set up an up-counsel relationship with, with another lawyer that you can you know maybe even share some of the fees on in exchange for um, you know, having someone to talk to, someone who, who knows uh, the, the you know, things where you're going to fall in traps that you're not even you know, seeing. But um, I think what seems to work well is if people, you know, like you're talking, if people want to partner up together, it's a good thing to share the overhead but not be in a partnership where you're you know, splitting and sharing profits and losses because that could just all too quickly turn into, um, you know, it's, it's a, it can be a bad scene. I've seen so many people who wanted to go in and, you know, where it's like a marriage. You know, you walk into it. And, um, you know, not advocating that people should live together before marriage. I'm not even going to take a stand on that. But um, I think that it's the same thing. Approaching a partnership professionally is like approaching the marriage. And, you know, while you were dating or in law school, so to speak, it is one thing. And after the the honeymoon wears off and you're, <laughs> you've got to pay the rent and serve the clients, you don't want to be fighting with someone who you don't think is working hard. You might have a person, you know, type A and a type B person together. It could be disastrous. So I say share the overhead, but, um, you know, keep, keep Keep your own independent practices is my thought. Right, right, right. And I think that, you know, that the marriage analogy is really an apt one because, you know, again, not to get into the do you live together or not, but, but if you don't know somebody's style over time, that transition is going to be more difficult. And if you're already new to independent business ownership, then learning how to do that, learning how to think like a business owner, learning how to think like a salesperson and a marketer. I realize it's not sales, business development, but still you have to know how to say, yes, here, hand me your money, right, in, in some gentle way. And doing that is really hard for new lawyers. And so if you're already on this steep, steep learning curve to try and do that in the context of, oh, my best friend and I are going to go do this thing, well, you know, you're just setting yourself up for, yeah, for a lot find, of hassle. 
Right, right. You know what? There are a number of people who are out there who are retiring. I know when I'm doing the, um, the business development, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, myself, I'll run, run into people who, you know, I'll offer services to, and they say, "Well, you know, Nick, that's all wonderful, but I don't need more clients. I'm retiring." Though, what a great time to, you know, as a young person, come in and, uh, you know, help learn from someone. I mean, that's what I would look for as well. That's another good option. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So when they're looking at starting a firm, we have to think about when to start it and how to decide if it's time. What are some things that, um, you know, like you indicated, that if you have no other job option or opportunity, um, you know, I feel like some people are just not even looking for a job, and I recommend sometimes that people will start up a solo practice while they're still trying to negotiate a position. You may be able to, you know, negotiate yourself right out of your solo practice into a good firm. I don't know what have your experience has been with your clients and what you've learned. I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think if if you've got if you've got a job already, if there is any way, and I realize it's really tricky in terms of law practice, but if if there is any way that you can already start developing either your own clientele and book of business or start um, building a, a firm on the side while you're at a previous employment, that is ideal. I mean, sometimes it's just not practical with non-compete clauses. But if it is an all an option, any new business owner, my my fundamental recommendation is if you can – Start a new business and be doing it at the same time as the old business. When you can replace 75% of your income from your new business, then you can jump ship. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty good a pretty good mark there. And I know plenty of people who have their own solo practice and also um, are on someone else's dime. Um, you know, at least one day a week. Right, and that that's actually ideal, isn't it? Because then you you're learning the skills to to do, you know, like how to fill out an order, how to how to get the task the tasky orient the task oriented things done. As you're doing that, you're building your own relationships, your own referral sources, your own strategic partnerships. That is 100% ideal. Like if you're writing um, writing briefs for someone else on the side or you know, maybe it's a smaller firm that doesn't need, an, you know, 40-hour week of um, general counsel, but they need something on a regular basis. If you can set up those relationships, then you've got you've got a little bit of a base to jump off of, and you've got um, a little bit of mental security that helps you feel more confident to reach out more. Yeah, I'd agree with that. With the mental, secu- the mental security is something that if they had a mental security store we could go to, they'd be out of business so quickly. Um, you know, again, it's the a lot of people say. You know, when I write about things in my uh, column weekly about advice like this, I, I know that people are reading saying, "Oh yeah, easier said than done," but it's really just having the confidence to go out and try. I mean, if you don't try. I mean, you may fail, but if you don't try, how you're you're never going to get there, and you'll be stuck, you know, working for someone else the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you know that old adage about it's always easier to get a job when you have a job. Mhm. I think part of that is that safety net that you know you have allows you to be more of yourself, and you're less anxious, less stressed. Um, you can kind of be a little bit more free when you're in that interview situation. So, sure. 
Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, sure, at the end of the day, um, if you're in an interview situation and you're facing housing bills and things you have to pay, you're more likely to, and I've been there myself, um, you know, more likely to enter into something that you're not going to be liking long term. Exactly, exactly. And and you may or may not get the job opportunity because your tension is going to come through. You know, if you need it too bad. And I think that's where, like, having, you know, even if it's a job that's, um, I mean, even if it's a project that's not ideal, if you know you have some work coming in, then you're going to have an easier time selling to the next client because you don't need it. You have to cultivate this mindset that says, I don't need your business, even when you know, you know, you've got to make your mortgage and, and you definitely need, you know, the next client. You have to mentally say, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Then you look stronger and more confident to that client. And I always tell people, always tell people things are great because they're going to walk away. And the things that people remember from conversations, people will, if you say things are great, they're just going to remember that they saw you and you were positive. If you say, oh, things are bad, there's, you know, I'm barely hanging on, that's all they're going to remember. For some reason, our culture and society loves drama and uh, loves to remember things like that. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And we, and, and we, as much as we may consciously want other people to be happy it's hard to accept that too because with you know so people look for other people not doing well because it's number one it confirms their own bias that the world's a bad place and number two it's just what we expect you know it just i don't it's, know it's that it's negative very mindset i don't know Exactly, and that's why we are talking today about turning that negative mind, turn that frown upside down, get rid of your safety net, have your safety net, have your cake, eat it too, but have the confidence to get out and get some of these things done. Now is a better time than any. I think that a lot of people who are starting off solo practices now today and have some other support system there to make sure they keep food on the table while they grow, those people are going to soar way past uh, what they might have otherwise if they had just gone to traditional uh, you know, associate and climb the ladder. So, But who knows? Anything can happen to anyone. It's up to the individual. We're going to pause quickly for some sponsor messages, and then we'll be back with Dr. Leah. Our first uh, commercial message comes from the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Do your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property rights? Well, you should probably find out. Chicagoland attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, Internet law, and, of course, advertising law. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity but guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme at 708-444-7900. That number, again, is 708 708- Four 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 seventy nine hundred. You can also visit our website for more information and resources at nkdlaw.com. And our second sponsor comes from Peak Marketing and Sales. If you haven't met Mary Erlane yet, then you should listen up because she will help you make more money. Mary is a well-known executive business coach all over Chicagoland area, and her executive coaching skills and unique abilities in helping people with connecting the dots and removing barriers to business goals. Mary is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, and these renowned coaching and consulting services are available to businesses, associations, organizations, and teams who want to bring about measurable results. 
Call Mary today for more information at 630-768-1422. Telephone number again is 630-768-1422. Or visit Peak Marketing online at www.peakmsi.com. Again, P-E-A-K-M-S-I. And thirdly, Law Publicist Communications is a legal marketing and public relations agency serving Chicagoland lawyers and business professionals. Many people hire us to write their marketing material, blog articles, and press releases that we then use to promote and manage the client's webinars, events, and media coverage. We really are a full-service agency, and you'd be surprised how many ways we can help you. Give us a call today at 312 505 2604 to see how we can help put you on the map and position you to get more clients. Our telephone number again at Law Publicist Communications is 312-505-2604. Getting back to our show now, if you do have a guest suggestion for Law Talk Radio broadcast, let us know. Drop us a note on our website or Facebook page. You can simply search in Google for Law Talk Radio and easily find us. Now back to Dr. Leah in our second segment on having the confidence to start your own firm. We talked a little bit about the decision uh, to go solo and launch in our first segment. In our second segment now, we're going to talk all about marketing, from market materials, networking, strategic relationships, and referrals. Dr. Leah. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's the thing, Nick. It, have, you, have you seen this? People think that they can't launch their own firm unless they've got the perfect business card, the perfect brochure, the perfect folder of data, the perfect Uh-oh. website. Have you seen <laughs> You're that? You're talking to one of us. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know why that is? Is because if you're going to get through graduate school in any topic, you've got to have a little obsessive-compulsive streak, right? You have yeah. to have a little perfectionistic streak. But yeah. the problem is it holds us back. And that perfectionistic streak makes us think that everything has to be perfect for anything to happen. Well, the reality is that's just not the case at all. You need a good enough business card. Now, yes, ideally it's going to be great, but simply you need people to know how to find you. You don't need the perfect tagline for forever. People like you can help help people come up with that over time. Yeah, right, um, exactly. It doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all when you hang the shingle. Right. What you need is a nice letter that introduces you to people. You need a nice business card. You need a basic website that says how to find you and what kind of law you practice. But it doesn't have to be the best thing. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to have all bells and whistles. You don't have to spend ten, twenty thousand $20,000 on a website. You need basic amounts of things to get started and then what you really need is a whole lot of guts. And you've got to pick up the phone and call people. That, to me, is the essence of good marketing, is calling folks and saying, hey, here's what I do, wanted to get to know you, don't know if you practice in this area, if you're looking for people to send your referrals to, love to get together and meet you. And some of that's going to be networking with other lawyers, and some of it's going to be networking with other professionals. I really like um the thing the first thing I think about when you talk about the um you know getting stuck in uh in analysis mode or they call it Delphi mode in MBA school but you you know once you 
step away from you know being crazy over how perfect the website is and everything else, and you just talk to people, when you actually talk to the people, that's where you're going to make the best connections and just be an honest, straight shooter. And you know, I think that more and more our business culture has come around to, yes, it's nice if you have a wonderful, fancy website. And yeah, the big firms are expected to have that, but you know, as long as you have, as long as you don't look stupid and look like a fifth grader, you know, look, just come across as a reasonable business professional who's trying hard. I think people will take that more seriously. I think honesty and sincerity um, are much better qualities than hiding behind glossy, fancy business cards that you bought with your trust fund. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. I mean, in terms of your business cards and your website, obviously, when you go to court, you want it to be as perfect as it can be, right? But okay. In terms of how you do marketing, people people hire people and people refer to people who are genuine. And so if you have an honest connection with someone, maybe like you said earlier, you know, you, you talk to the folks who are retiring, well, you know, sooner or later they're going to need to send people somewhere. Or they want to give you a hand or somebody that it's a smaller client that they don't take anymore. If you called folks up and said, hey, just want to let you know, open it in my own firm, want to build connections in the area, appreciate your referrals in these areas, people respect that. They just respect it. And then you've got those relationships built. One of the things I, I actually love now is now I have become, um, you know, since I work with a lot of lawyers, I've become on Facebook my my friends across the country now will send me little emails and say, okay, I need a lawyer in, you know, <laughs> in Maine to deal with employment law, or I need a lawyer right. in California to deal with a family law issue. And so, you know, I can look at my network of people, and lawyers do that with each other, right? You know, I'm not an expert in, in family law, but I do practice employment law or vice versa, and I'll send you somewhere else. Yeah. So you want to network within the profession as well as networking outside of the profession. Well, and I do. I'll tell you this. I do the same thing when people look for a lawyers, and I'll just do it on Facebook. Um, you know, who knows someone in California for you know real estate fraud? Boom. You know, and I'll get some, and it's easier because I don't have time to make all those calls half the time. And um, and that's just it's again. But these are the people that you know we've said hi to on Facebook, and you know, Leah, you and I originally met on Facebook. Right. Right. Um, actually, I don't think we've ever met face to face. No, no. <laughs> I look forward to Me someday. Too. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is funny, and you know, it is very true that you don't realize sometimes. You know, we're so stuck in our own heads of what we're doing that we don't realize that there are people. And Facebook and social media is a good example because there are sometimes that I will, you know, put things that are, you know, content or business related, um, and then, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, maybe sometime I'll say something else about a news article I saw, and people will chime in that I forget are even there and seeing all my posts anyway. So, you know, there's so many people that we see. So other people know what's going on. You just have to know that the confidence that over time those referrals take a while and they come from random places and I never know where they're coming from. Um, and so you just have to get up and say to the to say to yourself, you know, today's going to be a good day. I'm going to go to this networking event. I really don't want to go. It's hot. It's sticky outside. I'm in a bad mood. But I go and I'm always glad that I do because I'll meet someone wonderful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't, like you said, you don't know who's going to be a good, who, you don't know who that perfect person in the room is going to be before you show up. Mm-hmm. But you can 
you can be even more strategic by going in and saying to the person who's at the desk, hey, I'm looking to meet this kind of person. Um, and, in, and in law, you can you can do the traditional thing that everybody wants to do, right? I mean, so every financial planner wants to know lawyers, and lawyers want to know financial planners because they are looking at people who are needing a will or looking at making a real estate transaction, passing something on, whatever. So there are some natural things, accountants, lawyers, financial planners, things that we think of as being in a similar industry. But you can also go to those things and be more creative. So think outside the box. When you're, when you are, I um, say you just love writing will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who needs a will? Everyone. Older people, maybe. Right. Well, everybody does. But what would be easy ways to target people who need wills? So perhaps you talk to travel agents because you know that before people take a giant trip that they sometimes buy extra life insurance, they buy travel insurance, and you can have, if you have a good relationship with a with a travel agent who has really meaningful relationships with, with their clients, then you might be able to say to them, you know, can you have my cards out so that if people are like, oh, yeah, I probably need more of this or that, well, then, hey, I don't know if you've got all these other things taken care of, but if you ever need a referral, here's someone you can talk to. Same thing, bridal shops are oddly a good place to get referrals sometimes for people who do real estate law, people who do wills, people who do family law sometimes. Wow. <laughs> because, you know, who knows people who are buying new houses? Bridal registries, florists, not the kind of standard places you would think, but if you think about when people are getting married, they've got all these life decisions to make, and they need people they can trust, right? And who are they going to trust and be telling their life story to but the florist or the woman buying their, making their dress? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you know where I have a stack of cards prominently placed is the place where, where I get my hair cut. Yeah, exactly. Because think yeah. about it. The, the you know, the uh, Diana who cuts my hair knows so many different people and she can make connections with different things um and so yeah your hairstylist because people there is what do they have to talk about they talk about oh how are things going yeah exactly Exactly. stylists know who's getting divorced long before anybody else knows right (laughs) and so i mean people will get their hair cut and talk about the most personal things in front of a whole group of strangers yeah. Well, if you do family law and you love divorcing couples, you need to know every hairstylist you can. <laughs> Get the haircut often. therapist too, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but I'm saying build relationships with other hairstylists, not just your own. Yeah. And so think creatively about what networking is because we've all been invited to lots of networking events and those are super. But you have to know when you're there how to think about it because you would not necessarily, you know, the average classically trained lawyer does not necessarily go to a um, go to a networking event and think, oh, I need to know the bartender. You know, we go to the we go to meet everybody else. We don't necessarily go to meet the staff. Okay, if you're a good mm. bartender, don't you hear everybody's story? Mm, that's a good point. I never or thought of that one. Yeah, or your restaurant owner. 
know, those folks are going to have lots of, gosh, I talked to, me and I talked to a guy, on, um, actually a, a guy I met through Facebook, who he, a lot of who he represents are, um, are dancers. And because he got to know bar owners and um, the women who dance for the bar owner, you know, uh, they sometimes have legal issues. <laughs> you never or, know. I mean, baby daddy issues. Yeah. Well, you know that's a niche. How many people are going after strippers as clientele? You just wouldn't think about it, you know. And also, yeah. and for my own example, I mean, I, you know, um, yes, I'm my main brand is serving the, the legal community, but I've got I have a ton of finance clients because just one ended up, you know, right. meeting someone else, okay. and um, you know, tip, you know, good example. My my one client who's a day trader at the CBOE. He has a boat, and guess you know. And then, um, so I get to go out on the boat. I'm helping him with his charter company compliance. He's also got a pizza restaurant. So there's business coming from all different angles, and you just never know. I never would have, you know, when I first moved into the city from the suburbs, I said I need to get a friend with a boat. And um, of course, uh, you know, I, I am a big believer in um, everything with Morgan Freeman and the world, the wormhole. I've been watching that series and all the um, the sixth sense and laws of attraction. I believe I put it out there in the universe, and I got what I wanted. Um, but I had to avail myself to it, and we have to pause for another break, but I'll leave you with this quickly, uh, dear audience, that marketing is one of the things we always forget. We talk about marketing, but no one really knows. What is marketing, really? Marketing, really, is just as simple as letting people know what you do consistently and repetitively. So tell them, and you have to make it simple. Tell them what you do in very simple words so that they can understand. You know, people always say, well, I'm a personal injury lawyer. Well, you know, the average layperson walking the street may have a thought of what that means, but they may not know other things that, it, you know, happens, you know, with the practice area. So, so many, um, it's just so simple, and so many people overcomplicated. It's just tell people what you do over and over so they can tell others. And the more you tell them, the fresher it is in their head. And that's that whole, what, is the, what do they call it, the theory of spreading activation or something. Um, so it's, it's all good stuff. So we're going to pause for another set of commercials and be back, and we'll talk a little bit about segment three after we've start, decided to start our law firm, done some marketing. We're going to talk with Dr. Leah about how to structure your week, and uh, that's a very important topic right there. So we'll be right back. Our fourth uh, commercial sponsor message comes from our friend Jim Thompson in the Get Clients Now program. If you need more clients, there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you can talk to. His name is Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. They'll help you take crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues, and the Get Clients Now program employs several various time-honored techniques to help you attract business and encourage referrals. Please visit LawyersMarketingResource.com. Again, that's LawyersMarketingResource.com. And check out their testimonials on the site and see what others are saying about the program. You can also get in touch with Jim Thompson today by emailing him at jet at MidwestConsultants.net. You can also call him directly at 708-785-4022. That number again is 708-785-4022. Next, from credit damage expert George Finder. Your credit score is a valuable asset. Credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on your damage to your credit score. By learning to incorporate your credit damage questions into your intake process, you and your staff can learn how and when to spot credit damage events that are worthy of seeking the services of George Finder or in his um, analysis services. 
Available nationwide, credit damage expert George Finder is available for consulting to damage to credit reputation, and his website is creditdamageexpert.com. Again, that website is creditdamageexpert.com, where you can learn more about George Finder and his expert services. And our final commercial sponsor for the day is Software and Technology Attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. The software licensing agreements, cloud computing, and software selection all fall on the desks of the attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. This international software, technology, and intellectual property law firm based in Chicago leads the way in software and technology law. Before entering private practice, Principal Marcus Harris worked at Senior Corporate Counsel at SSA Global Technologies, a global software vendor. Marcus also worked in the Legal Contracts Department of SAP Technologies, drafting and negotiating hundreds of technology-related agreements with SAP's Fortune 500 customer base. Today, Marcus leads a talented team who are ready to help navigate the legal business issues in software, technology, and intellectual property. Call Marcus Stephen Harris today at 312 312- Two six three zero five seven zero, and also visit their website at mshtechlaw.com. Again, that's mshtechlaw.com. Telephone number again, 312-263-0570. We want to remind our listeners also that when you see our broadcast links in your social networks, please click the share button and share them with your friends and their pages. Again, so many of those who listen to our shows do find us through social media marketing. Now back to our program with Dr. Leah. Uh, now I suppose it is time to talk about, uh, now that we have our law firm set up, we are going, doing well on marketing, now it's time to structure the week. And this is, I swear, some of the hardest things to do is structure your time and figure out what to do when because it seems like everything is always do or overdue at once. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. That's, um, I think, the, the plight of every entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the first thing to decide is that your business doesn't have to run your life. Now, I realize that's kind of, I don't know, almost a heretical comment. Spend a day with me. Yeah, I know. You've got to decide that you get to be in charge of your time, otherwise you're going to resent your business Good. and be a crankier person and, you know, not be happy to live with. So... What I would say is you decide how much time you're going to devote to your work. And, you know, that could be 40 hours. It could be 60 hours. I don't care what it is. Just make a decision so that you don't, so that when you decide to answer an email or a call in an off hour, that it's a conscious decision rather than, okay, well, I always have to pick up the phone. Because if you feel like you always have to do something, you're going to feel resentful of it. So pick Pick a number, whatever that number is, about how many hours you're going to spend each week on your business. And what I would say to you is that first, when you're first getting off the ground, first couple months at least, market 40 hours a week. Market 40 hours a week. Or if you know you've got 10 hours of work, market 30 hours. But if you... You know, do, you know, you do the math, and you know, you got 15 hours of work, then you market 25 hours. Fill up that first 40 hours with marketing, and if you do that for two or three months, then you, number one, you get the hang of it. Number two, you get a steady stream coming in, and then when things start to slough off, then you'll know exactly what to do to pick it back up because you've done it before. 
I can. I, I want to jump in and add something. When we talk mm-hmm. about marketing, I'm picturing the 40 hours a week, and it's kind of the same thing that people say when they're uh, looking for a job. You got to spend 40 hours a week as if you were at a job looking for a job. But having said that, when when we talk about marketing, I'd like to highlight that there are activities that you can do that are passive marketing activities, and also active marketing activities. And sort of the passive ones are. Um, you know, writing your blog, promoting it on social media, and doing that thing. But you also have to couple that with some active, direct activities like sending letters to people who are now. Again, with lawyers, we have different rules that we can't directly solicit, but we can. Um, you know, but there are ways you can still, you know, say hi to referral partners and different things. Yourself, but right. Yeah, introduce Let yourself. Let you know that I have opened a new office. Right, right. It's act. It's activity, though. I mean, you're you're directly connecting with another human, you know, and you're giving them the opportunity to then go to your site and see that you have written a bunch and that you've done well. But again, so this active, there's like two kind of uh, activities going on. So anyway, right. I just wanted to right. talk about it. And I think, you know, each person will have one thing that feels more comfortable. For some people, they love picking up the phone. They cannot stand sending an email or send in a letter. And for other people, it's exactly opposite. Some people would like to write and post blog articles and then sit and say, why isn't anybody calling me? Well, you've got to split your time. You write, you put information up, you um, you you do the content pieces, you set up your business Facebook page and post articles, whatever those things are for you. Get on LinkedIn and join the interesting groups. But you've also got to pick up the phone and call people email people, send letters, but sending letters by itself is usually not enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's enough for people to know what you do, but it's not enough for them to call you and hire you from or a, necessarily send a referral. From a from a, a mental health uh, perspective, what can you say about the quality of, of relationships and communication that are you know on the telephone versus only electronic? You know, it, it kind of depends. I mean, there are some people where you can have a really interesting relationship and and get to know someone really in depth just over just over electronic media. However, are they then going to be the kind of person you would pick up the phone and call? Not necessarily. So you have to. I think we've got to make sure that there's some of that one-on-one contact, either um, either going out to coffee or picking up the phone and making a phone call, because it doesn't have to be in person necessarily. But if you only rely on um, seeing each other's Facebook posts and emailing, is it ever going to be a relationship where you feel enough trust to send someone? I think there's something about hearing someone's voice and knowing who they are that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I. I mean, we met on Facebook, but I picked up the phone and called you and said, hey, tell me more about what you do. Yeah. And then that created a different kind of relationship where, you know, there are lots of other folks that I have, you know, we post on each other's walls or we make different comments or I feel like I know a lot about their life, but would they ne- would I necessarily send someone to them? You know, I don't know. Because you don't, I don't know. know. I don't know them as a human being as much. Right, right. And, and, and now that so many of us have learned to uh, write very, you know, a lot of our writing and business uh, correspondence and email is very dry. People are sensitive to not... Um, not wanting to appear, it's too easy for people to read things between the lines. So we've learned how to write very sanitized business writing. And when you pick up the phone and actually have a conversation with someone, I'm thinking of someone, uh, one of my subcontractors, um, you know, I always think the emails are very short and to the point, but she's a really bubbly person. 
and always lovely to talk to her. And, you know, there's laughter and there's emotions involved. And I think that's a very important thing that we are getting to a point, and I think in our society, where people are coming emotionally unavailable and void because of some of the business styles. So, again, I, I always say pick up the phone and talk to people, explain things. Um, you know, people seem to be afraid to make phone calls, especially younger generations and people coming right out of school today feel that they are really just imparting on someone's time. They're not scheduled for a phone call. Do you hear a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a natural, it's a natural, um, a natural holdback that we've, that we've got as a society, but then also some people just have, I mean, I'm a, as I tell people, I'm a recovering shy person. I don't like meeting new people necessarily, you know what I mean? And, and, so for me to pick up the phone and call somebody I don't know, it's really uncomfortable, but it's very much worth doing. And if you think about it, how many people will do that nowadays? Not very many. What is it you need to be to have someone send you a referral or to have someone hire you? You have to be trustworthy, and you have to be distinguished in their mind in some way, right? And so if I have called someone and said, hey, just want to introduce myself, here's who I am, wanted to get to meet you, then they have a much greater sense of who I am than if I just send an email. Mm-hmm. Because maybe five other people have sent them an email introducing themselves and saying I'm the new whatever attorney down the street. But if you have made the phone call and connected differently, then you're different and you're memorable. So they have to remember you. So uh, one of the things I forgot to mention about marketing, when you do get your website have multiple domains all directed to your site. You know, I have my general site that, that you mentioned earlier, but I also have a lawyer-specific site, consultantforlawyers.com. Okay, we've all seen bankruptcyattorneyofxyzstate.com. You've got to have something that's memorable, and, and you can direct all those domains to the same place. So you want to do things that make you stand out, like by having an interesting site, because they're not necessarily going to remember your name, and by making those phone calls and making personal, real connections, getting to know people and, you know, what matters to them. Very true. <clears throat> so back to structuring the work week. We have about a minute oh, left sorry. before we be, have, have to uh, go to the practice management resources. Again, with structuring our week, we talked about, you know, spend 40 hours marketing and then spend 30 hours. So, again, let's reinforce this point of um, fill your time. Right. And fill the time um, – and do not pull back from marketing once you start to get busy. When, in our next segment, I want to talk about the the biggest mistake that everybody makes and how to avoid it. Perfect. All right. Well, we're looking forward to hearing from it. We're just going to pause quickly for law practice management resources. I just want to tell you about two of them that I firmly believe in. First, the American Bar Association's Law Practice Management section. When the American Bar Association members join the Law Practice Management section, they receive a free subscription to Law Practice, a bi-monthly magazine dedicated to helping legal professionals master all aspects of the business of practicing law. The fun doesn't stop there, however. You can consider Law Practice Today, which is the monthly webzine bringing you the most current information and trends in the legal industry by delivering anecdotes from the professionals in the field of law. Again, a little bit lighter read. Um, and then also your reading list should also include Law Practice News, which is the bi-monthly newsletter 
for members of Law Practice Management, which gives you the latest in law practice management, the ABA, and the legal profession. Overall, the Law Practice Management section is your best resource for everything, marketing, management, tech, and finance. So solos, if you're listening, check out the Law Practice Management section. A lot of the information you'll need is in one place. Next, from the Law Bulletin Publishing Company, when you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you will receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for those lawyers going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar for lawyers in flux in their careers. Now, I am one of the weekly advice columnists published at the Attorneys in Transition site, and I do hope that you stop by, visit, and leave your comments at attorneysintransition.com. Now, again, we want to remind you to please share our programming and also to submit any questions you have about upcoming shows or if you have a guest suggestion, you can do that right on our Law Talk Radio fan page on Facebook. Simply search for Law Talk Radio in the Facebook search bar at the top of your homepage on Facebook. Now, back with Dr. Leah. So you were teasing us. Um, Let's hear it. All right. The biggest challenge every entrepreneur faces is the fear of getting too busy. We start out. Or, I know it's, it sounds crazy. I mean, it I sounds ironic. <laughs> I know, because we're terrified. You know, we're gonna. Are we gonna be successful? Are we gonna be able to do this? Are we gonna be put food on the table? Whatever. Those anxieties are immense, and and people start doing their marketing, and then they get comfortable enough, and they pull back from marketing because they're afraid they're gonna get too busy. And so, what I want you to know, you know, six months from now, twelve months from now, when you start to go. Yeah, well, but I don't want to get too busy. Oh, yeah, Leah said this was going to happen. <laughs> and, and and redouble your efforts toward marketing. Because at that time, you have this natural, like, you start to kind of push away the new clientele, and then that puts a kind of just an overall cloud over your business. And you don't you don't want that, right? I mean, you need new folks coming in no matter – how many great, solid, ongoing clients you've got. You always want to make sure that your name's out there, that you're continuing to bring new folks in. And so just guard against that fear. If you feel like you're getting too busy, then you scale back from 75 hours to 65 or 60 or whatever it is that it needs to be, and you push people out another week. Yes, it's great if you can see people that week, and when you can, you do, right, or the next week. But if you need to push it out a little while longer, that's okay. But don't stop marketing. Never stop mm-hmm. marketing. I have to add something in there. Take take breaks. Stop eating lunch. I know so many companies who mandate that their employees leave for an hour for lunch, and I'm a firm believer of recharge your brain, recharge your soul, get away from, step away from the computer. The emails will be there when you get back. And I think that if we all answer every email that comes in, we are only setting ourselves up for an expectation that we are permanently always 100% available and accessible. And when we do that, it trickles over into other people. So I have a kind of a, a rule of, um, you know, I will answer emails or phone calls within ideally a day, but you know, it's like Pavlov's dog. Like I can't answer everything, so sometimes I even just shut my Outlook off. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And just and work straight. Does it help your concentration too? Well, just yeah, to like chunks of time. If I'm working on something that's I've got to have I've got to have my brain in it. Um, I will just kind of go dark, and of course I'm not going to disappear forever, but um, I'll maybe go dark for a few hours Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, because otherwise, Outlook, those things flash on the bottom of the screen, and it's like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> All of a sudden, an hour has gone by, and you got no work done. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so tell us what are we going to do now that we've done all this marketing and we're going to continue doing it. We're not going to turn clients where we're always going to say yes and take new clients. What do we do when we just can't handle the workload? How about expanding, but you don't know how to expand or how much? What are your thoughts? My my thoughts about expanding are, you know, you find folks you can bring in on a part-time basis or, hey, on a contract basis, a few hours here, a few hours there, Test out that relationship and see if that's somebody you want to continue to work with. You know, I don't think I don't think you launch into that until you're sure. Same thing with staff. Um, you may think, okay, this is a great paralegal who would be perfect for me. Well, I wouldn't launch to like 40 hours a week from no staff at all. You know, start with someone you can use on a contract basis, five or ten hours. Test that out. See how it goes. See if you need more help or not. Because there are all kinds of creative solutions, and you don't want to lock yourself into a lot of payroll requirements at the beginning. And and I think, go ahead. I'm sorry, you were saying. No, I was just going to ask. When we talk about confidence, like that's the one thing I keep thinking of. It's like, you know, I feel stressed out just listening to that because I think about, um, you know, because like, I do outsource. I act as project manager for a lot of things, so it's like I have several employees, and it gets really stressful sometimes, and. You know, I'm always afraid that, oh, the client's going to be mad because, you know, if work is late, so it's like get it done on time, on time. But, you know, it's like having the confidence. What, what, are, the, what, are, the, what are the keys to the confidence? That's what I want to know. Yeah, here's, here's how I think of confidence. The, the first thing to know is that everyone projects more confidence than they feel. We all project, you know, let's say we project an A-level confidence, but we feel a B-plus or whatever that is. You know, you there's always going to be that gap. And so you know when when people are starting out in a business and they have that kind of like uh, fear of being seen as a fraud, fear of being seen as not knowing it all. Well, number one, we don't know it all. Nobody does. Number two, everybody is afraid of that. Everyone. Everyone is afraid that, that number one, they're going to be found out. Number two, that that people are going to know that they don't feel everything that they're projecting. That's just part of the human condition. And so what our task in life is, is to ratchet up our internal confidence, our core confidence, toward the projected confidence. But the trick is that every time we get close to the projected confidence, then it's like we can, it's kind of like um, when you're overdriving your headlights in the, at night, you, once you get close to the end of where you can see and your confidence is bigger, then all of a sudden you can see further. And so then we think, oh, I thought I was about there. I was going to arrive at this perfect confidence. Well, the reality is our confidence continues to ratchet up. So this projected confidence ratchets up. Our felt confidence ratchets up to meet it. Then our projected confidence ratchets up more because we realize there's more out there. We could live a bigger, better life. Make sense? It does. Is there a mantra I can use for this? Or you know, what do you tell people who say it's easy to say conceptually that you can – just think about it and just have more confidence. But I, sometimes it's hard and you feel, you know, you'll be feeling really good and then you'll get a phone call or something bad will happen that just seems to knock you right off the ladder. What do you do? Yeah, i got I got two thoughts about that. One is that um, it's realizing that that is an event, not who you are. So something's happened and it's shaken up your sense of things and, 
and you feel like, okay, well, maybe I'm not okay now. Well, if you were okay ten minutes ago before you got bad news, you're still okay. All you got to be is okay enough. You don't have to feel like 100% confidence. Nobody ever does. So remembering that you're not alone in this self-doubt, that everybody's got it at some level, sometime, and then figuring out how you can how you can um, kind of compartmentalize a negative event as a small event rather than a global a referendum on who you are. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So kind of keeping it down. And, and purely just accepting yourself for who you are, which does not mean that we don't yeah. continue to try to be better and grow, but you got to be able to say, yeah, I'm okay how I am. I have one more question, and then sure. we're just about to run out of time. My, I have a few people I know who are solos who, and like me, I experience this too, um, sometimes there's this like solo paralysis or paranoia when we think, oh, I have not heard from a client or I emailed someone and they didn't uh, respond back. I know so many people who just assume that the person's mad at me, I didn't get, I didn't do a good enough job, um, you know, just totally, you know, things that there's just no basis in reality. And I always say, chill out. The person's probably on vacation or busy or, you know, uh, putting their own fires out and probably wants to return your email but just doesn't have time. And then, uh, you know, invariably the person will say, oh, Nick, yeah, you're right, so-and-so was just um, delayed. But they've just it's like this solo thing. It's like working by yourself, especially if you work. So many people I know who work from home just seem to, like, flip out. Like, I don't know, what's the what do you do? Go out and hang in public from time to time, or what do you think? Um, how do you handle it? How do you handle the stress? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I guess one thing you definitely do is remind yourself that, um, yeah, people are busy, and if you call them or remind them, then they might appreciate it. You're not being a pest. They may just have other things on their mind. Or you, you know, you say to people, hey, when can I get back to you to find out, whatever. When people call me and remind me that something's due, then I appreciate that, right? Or mm-hmm. remind me, it's just, it's just following up. You know, people get busy. So you can't take it personally. Um, and you've got to make sure you cultivate relationships outside of your business. So make sure you have friends, especially friends who are not lawyers, to remind mm-hmm. you that everything's not, you know, negative and that whole pessimistic mindset that lawyers have that is trained into the law, well, makes a person unhappy if that's what you surround yourself with 24-7. Exactly. You want to make sure you do things that are enjoyable, like you found somebody with a boat, you know, that's cool, hang out with them, enjoy the boat, Um, and and make sure you do things that are hobbies and things where you know that you're not going to be great to remind yourself you don't have to be great at everything. Exactly. Very true. So much good advice. What if that this hour goes by so quick? Leo, how again can people get a hold of you? Um, Leah at L E A H at consultantforlawyers dot com. All right. So Leah at consultantforlawyers.com. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate you being on our show again. Thanks for having me. All right, and we also want to thank all of our listeners out there who tune in loyally and listen to the Lawyer's Toolbox on Law Talk Radio. And we also want to thank our sponsors. Number one, advertising copy and intellectual property attorney, Nancy K. Ducharme. Secondly, executive coach, Mary Erlane of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated. Third, law firm and business marketing and public relations agency known as Law Publicist Communications and ALRPRA division. Fourth, attorney Jim Thompson of the Midwest Consulting Group and the Get Clients Now program. Fifth, credit damage expert George Finder, and finally but not least, the software and technology attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC.
This is a general information program. The advice shared on our show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys on the show does not give rise to attorney-client relationships. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse opinions expressed by guests, and all callers remain confidential. Rights this broadcast are reserved. Now, your Law Talk Radio episodes are programmed to entertain and bring you and our attorney and non-attorney audiences tips, tools, and practice area information, as well as news that we can all use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. With our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine, the law publicist for your Law Talk Radio, and I thank you for your time. We'll see you next time.